Hey, I'm Felissa Rose, and you're watching Keto and Crime. Welcome, everyone, to the land of the Fundamentalist LDS Church, the fringe wing of the Mormon Church, where Handmaid's Tale jumps right off the screen into reality. And today we're going to talk about a couple of branches of this bizarre sect of the church, in addition to one of its most notorious leaders, Warren Jeffs, who is now sitting in federal prison. Thank goodness. So let's get into this and let's enjoy it, because all I can say, Fundamentalist LDS Church, it ain't big love. Hey everyone, welcome to Keto and Crime. Today we've got a expose on the Fundamentalist LDS Church. Basically this stands for Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. So these are a fringe group of the Mormon Church. I kind of have it, I kind of have a very empathetic feeling for my, uh, my uh, Mormon followers out there, my Mormon subscribers out there, because the mainstream Mormon Church has spoken out against the very stuff that we're talking about many, many times, just like they've spoken out against Chad Daybell and his crew of crazy. This is a whole other crew of crazy. Uh, so they have spoken out against this. I think why the Mormon church has more fringe elements than perhaps any other Protestant adjacent type of church is because of the pioneering spirit that was kind of with them. You got to remember these were plains wilderness pioneer type people that basically helped the united states expand into the west we're talking utah idaho arizona to a certain extent wyoming and montana so these people actually helped us breach that great barrier and get into the west so they were very pioneer spirited people and so as a result um they wanted it the way they wanted it. Uh, they uh, they lived in small communities. They built their own their own towns, their own their own way of life, and they didn't want to give that up. And plural marriage, which is the main issue with these fundamentalist LDS church, it feeds into a lot of other issues. I think that's why they have more fringe groups than any other. You know, whereas the majority of Mormons kind of conformed to the United States and acclimated into our society, there are still remnants of those pioneers that wanted to keep it the way it was there. And I think that's why there's more fringe groups associated with the Mormons than any other church. That's just my little short verbal essay on that subject matter. But today we're going to talk about the fundamentalist LDS church, which is only one of several of these fringe groups in which polygamy or plural marriage is the mainstay of their, you know, of their societal makeup. It, it, it's a huge reason why they do some of the things that they do. 
So um, let's get into it. First, let's talk about the Mormon Church in general. As we all know, I did a very in-depth video on the Mormon Church itself, which I'll link up here if you want the full story. But basically, what we know in Missouri, a young man by the name of Joseph Smith said that he had found some magical tablets that were uh, buried long ago by the remnants of the two lost tribes of Israel known as the Lamanites and the Nephites. And there was this war between them. These were the, the tribes that somehow ended up in North America. And there was this huge war. And when, when the Neophytes lost the war to the Lamanites, they lost it because they were once the favored tribe. But then they became decadent and overindulgent and lost favor and therefore were, were defeated. Well, they actually buried some sacred scrolls that told people the real way to worship Yahweh. And Joseph Smith supposedly found these guided by the archangel Gabriel, I believe. It's always Gabriel. It's Gabriel with him. It's Gabriel with uh, in Islam with, uh, with Muhammad. It's always Gabriel. Gabriel got to put his nose in everything. But anyway, so they find these uh, magical scrolls that only he could read with the help of a stone, translator stone, uh, so like a viewmaster. And uh, he then spread this religion throughout the small towns of the Midwest, Illinois, Missouri, to a certain extent, Iowa, and basically built a whole new pioneering type religion. However, because he did have some strange views, such as polygamy, polygamy as early as 1830 was promoted by Joseph Smith as the biblical way to marriage. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. If you look at the Old Testament, most of the founding patriarchs of both Judaism, Islam, and Christianity had plural wives, or at least wives and concubines or handmaidens. So he's not wrong in that determination, but that it should be the way of Christian people, excuse me, my poor mom has got allergies this week, so you may hear her sneezing in the background, I apologize. But, um, he's not wrong. So he did propose that as the biblical way of life. And because of that, because of some other kind of shysty things that he was doing, there ended up being some actual armed conflicts between Mormons and other people in the uh, Midwest. And so as a result, the Mormons took off west, and as I said, helped populate the entire western frontier. So Utah, Idaho, Arizona, Montana, Wyoming, to a certain extent, even into California. And so as a result, they got out there and they built these communities. And po polygamy, or plural marriage, was always a baseline. Men were allowed to have as many wives as they wanted. They had many, many children, so they kept both their quiver and their bows full as opposed to the uh, quiver, quiverful movement. And this was all promoted by Joseph Smith, by Brigham Young, by the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, by just about every early president of the Mormon Church. Polygamy was the mainstay. But this, of course, came with its own particular set of problems. Uh, very hard to support large families. I mean, when in the early days when they were homesteading, you know, everybody kind of worked and helped. You see this very much in Amish and Amish communities today where the entire family helps produce something of value to the community and the family. So for in, in those early days, it worked. But as the United States 
spiraled to a more to a more modern existence, there became problems. Basically, we are coming up to the era just before the American Civil War, when slavery was a hotbed issue, the prevention of slavery into any new acquired territories, as well as polygamy, thanks to the efforts of James Buchanan and the Democratic Party. Polygamy was also put in that same sphere as slavery, because to the most of the United States, having more than one wife and having them be 100% subservient, have all these children, in a lot of people's minds, was a form of slavery. So I'm not equating the plight of Mormon wives, of these FDS wives with actual slaves. Please don't think that I'm doing that. But according to legislation, the two were treated the same. That's what I'm saying. So in there was an actual war in Utah between non-polygamy settlers and polygamous Mormon settlers. Uh, and then in 1862, Democratic Congress passed, the, the Democratic and Republican Congress passed the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act, which basically made polygamy illegal in any territory that, which, that wished to achieve statehood. Uh, this was challenged by the leaders of the Mormon Church at the time, taking all the way to the United States Supreme Court in 1879. Reynolds versus the United States upheld it and said that it was in direct contrast with the laws of the United States. Now, if you want to read the details of that case, please pray. I'm not going to give you a, a summary here, but just to say they upheld the law. And then by 1890, when Utah was really wanting to join the United States as a state, it became evident that this was going to be the one thing that kept it, and so there was a huge rift between the Utah government and the Mormon government, and the Mormon leaders, which, you know, sometimes they're one and the same, but church president Wilford Woodruff in 1890 officially issued a manifesto that dissolved and outlawed polygamous marriages. It did not dissolve existing marriages. Those were grandfathered in but it did end the practice going forward, and as a result, Utah was able to become a state. And as a result, you had these fringe groups start to appear. Now, there's several of these outlying LDS-related faiths that follow the faith of Brigham Young and Joseph Smith, but also still practice polygamy that populate all the Western United States, even up into Western Canada, you know, like uh, Alberta the Yukon, all, anywhere there is lack of population, you're going to find these compounds and these fringe groups. But today we're going to concentrate our expose on the most well-known and possibly largest of these fringe groups that is actually labeled a hate group and a cult by the Southern Poverty Law Center because they still not only carry on the attributes of polygamy, complete women's complete subservience to men as well as complete you know a, the ability to basically use children as resources not actual fam family members as well as their views on race in the early days of the mormon church people with dark skin native americans uh, african americans were considered cursed by cain so they still follow those types of rules as well and as a result even though the modern-day uh, Mormon church has outlawed all of that, they still follow many of those same tenets. And so you will find these being very heavily, almost 100% white. 
I can't imagine any minority group, person of color, wanting to subject themselves to that. So even if they would, even if they were allowed. So as a result, they are labeled a hate group, an extremist group, and a cult by the Southern Poverty Law Center. The FLDS Church official first headquarters was Short Creek, Arizona, which was right on the southern border of Utah. Uh, eventually, the settlement expanded into Utah and became incorporated as cities later on. Uh, Hilldale, Utah, and Colorado City, Arizona both have fundamentalist LDS roots. Um, the original capital or their original main settlement was moved closer to Colorado City. And then basically they set up long-term colonies in both Bountiful, Utah, and Bountiful, British Columbia. In 2004, it was rumored that perhaps the bulk of the group had moved to El Dorado, Texas, where a temple was built by the fundamentalist LDS church. But this is a uniquely a prairie situation. So I think Texas is as far east as they've ever journeyed since the Mormons originally left Missouri. And so they kind of stay where there's not a lot of population. Things are spread out. They stay in the country, you know, in the wilderness, in the prairie, as much as possible. There have been small colonies noted in Colorado, South Dakota, North, uh, North Dakota, and even a very small one in the very northernmost area of Minnesota. So very sparse. Um, it's hard to count them because they don't participate in the census or anything of that. They're very cultish, very standoffish with their neighbors. It's basically they live in compounds, but it's estimated to have between six and 10,000 members in the United States as far as we can tell. Now let's talk about some of the tenets of this group. So men are the head of the household. Men are expected to, for the most part, be the breadwinners. There's some issues with that. We'll talk about it. Um, they as far as women and children, they are completely 100% subservient to the men. They are there to be at the man's discretion to please him. They are not allowed to cut their hair, ever. They cannot wear makeup, trousers, any skirt that's above the knee. A lot of them are even asked to cover their head. So Muslims aren't the only one that do that. Um, they are not allowed to do what would be considered masculine things. Girl, children don't have a whole lot of toys anyway, but the toys that they have are very gender specific. When girls are not allowed to play with balls or, you know, anything that would be considered traditionally a boy's toy, the same and vice versa. Uh, basically, um, Education for any of the children is quite limited, and the education they do receive is very gender-specific. Boys are taught more career, trades-oriented stuff, and girls are taught more home economics, things like that. The schooling can either be in small community schools or at home. So there's not these children do not attend public schools, just like the Quiverful. They don't attend public schools. Uh, let's talk about property ownership. Of course, women are not allowed to own property or anything like that. Only men can. But there's kind of a long-going um, controversy between the states of Utah, Arizona, and the FDL Church. But the land and houses that this 
that they once occupied or still do occupy in a lot of areas in Utah and Arizona are owned by an organization known as the United Effort Plan, which is a nonprofit owned by the FLDS Church. And they are the ones that actually own the land that the majority of the FDL, FLDS people in Arizona and Utah live on. Their houses, their land, everything. And it's actually owned by this organization. So there's been a couple of lawsuits, but let's just say that um, in 2005, the United States froze this UEP's ability to buy any further land. But let's just say that these people are beholden to this organization. This organization could evict them at any time. It's owned by the hierarchy of this cult. Now, it doesn't really say anything about the land ownership in the other states or even in Canada, so I would assume the actual people own those. But for the most part, this church owns the majority of LDS land in Arizona and uh, Utah. Now, as far as um, other controversies, they have been sued or prosecuted by several school districts because their children aren't in school. But um, basically, because of the, you know, the religious exemptions, they can't be forced to attend school. Now, let me say, I, my main problem with this cult is not plural marriage. It's not even the homeschooling, to a point. My main problem is the abuse that goes on within, which we're about to talk about. That's my main problem, is the abuse and the hate that goes on as a result of these groups. Not necessarily plural marriage or even the homeschooling. I, as a libertarian, believe that if you want to get married, I don't believe the government should be in marriage at all. Gay, straight, plural, what have you. If you want to be married, you should be able to... Consenting adults, again, another problem I have with this cult, consenting adults should be able to put down on a piece of paper that they're officially married in front of a witness and have it hold water legally. That's my opinion, as long as there's no abuse going on. So I don't have a problem with the plural marriage. I have a problem with some of the stuff that goes on as a result of it. Uh, as far as homeschooling, if you have a child, you should have the freedom to choose what school you want them to go to. Public education should never be mandatory. It's there as a safety net if you can't afford other types of schooling, such as homeschooling, private schools, what have you. Now, when it comes to homeschooling, there needs to be some more regulation about what can be called a homeschool because you need to teach these children facts, not just religious doctrine, which is a major problem I have with the Quiverful homeschooling system as well as this homeschooling system because they're not equipping these children to actually make a choice to go out into the world and live a modern life. They're just basically teaching them that they need to stay in this cult, and that, in my opinion, is child abuse. So I am not against the whole premise of homeschooling or religious education. I'm in, it is what they teach that I sometimes take issue with. So let me put that out there. Now let's talk about some of the abuses. Uh, women are treated as property, and that actually results in a lot of underage and arranged marriages. Children as young as 10 and 11 have been married to men and men. It doesn't matter how old the man is. They're not marrying them to another child. They're marrying them to a man. So it is very much child abuse. And since plural marriage is illegal in the United States, officially, these men only have one wife and the children of that wife are their legitimate children. The rest of these marriages in the eyes of the United States 
are illegitimate. So what does that mean? Officially, technically, these are single moms because the United States and the state government does not recognize plural marriage. So how do these people survive? A lot of it is government welfare because they are deemed as single mothers. They can go and get these benefits and that's how the family survives because there's no way that one man can earn enough to feed multiple wives and dozens of children. I, I don't care unless you're Bill Gates, you can't afford to do that. So a lot of this comes from uh, welfare, tax money, and the fact that a lot of these people get out of paying taxes because of the way they live, I do have a real problem with that. So that's some of the abuses that go on in this place, as well as just the way women and children are treated as property. Uh, corporal punishment is the namestay of the day. I was raised on corporal punishment within reason. I don't have a problem with it, but some of the beatings that have been reported and witnessed in this, beating them near death is wrong. Also, the cult, even though the cult have a general overview of beliefs, that it, that is, man is, a man is the head of the household, the uh, conduit to God, each Church, each cult leader, each compound leader has the ability to govern his compound the way it is, and you get into a lot of issues. So one of the main things that is that is heard about when it comes to these types of abuses is a term known as the Lost Boys. These are basically young men that the head of the compound feels threatened by, even if they're his own kids or his own nieces and nephews, which Let's face it, there's also a lot of intermarriage here, as well as sex trafficking. That's another problem. A lot of these girls are treated as property that are passed among the men in the, in the compound. But these young boys, which sometimes get modern ideas, because let's face it, children do find a way to learn things, they're cast out um, between the ages of 13 and 18, usually. They're just cast out onto the, into the prairie to go to do what they need to do with no education, no way to start. So you do find public assistance filled with a lot of these lost boys that are basically put out for either what the church considers offensive behavior or just that they're getting too old and can't be controlled anymore. So that's the whole basis of some of these shows like Breaking the Faith. Uh, that was a, kind of a promo on my little intro that I did um, that is Two of these LDS boys are coming back to help rescue other children that are in this, and that's what that show is all about. I'm not sure if it's still on, but if you can find some of the recorded episodes, it's definitely worth checking out. As well as, let's talk about racism. They do not like people of color, and so they are very, very cruel to any person of color they happen to come upon, and there's been like hate crimes reported as a result of that. Also, issues with child labor because they, they do live in compounds. Sometimes children are worked rather than sent to school. And so that robs the children of an education as well as has led to injuries, illness, and things of that nature. And as far as the mainstream Mormon church, they don't turn a blind eye to this. They condemn this behavior, but what can they do? What can they do? As far as the leadership of this uh, particular sect it has changed hands many times all men 
Um, Rulon Jeffs was one of the last ones before we get into his son, Warren, who is the most notorious leader of the sect. Uh, um, and let's just say that uh, even prior to everything we know about Warren Jeffs, there's been a lot of issues with the law versus these sects. There's been a lot of raids in Arizona and Texas, mainly for child abuse allegations uh the marrying of young girls the the treating of young girls as property in a way that you shouldn't as well as just other general abuses such as welfare abuse that kind of stuff and there have been a lot of raids but probably the most telling uh part of this is the story of warren jeffs who was born december 3rd 1955 the son of Ruin Jeffs, one of the former presidents of the church, of this particular sect of churches, and one of his many wives. Uh, he grew up on a compound and was taught from an early age he was Jesus Christ and could do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, so as a result, when he took the reins of that, this particular sect, in the early 2000s, he began to change things radically. On the border between Utah and Arizona, a polygamous sect of 8,000 people are still living a secret life, obeying the commands of their leader, Warren Jeffs. He was sentenced to life in prison for the sexual assault of girls as young as 14. We miss our prophet. We know he's innocent. A year-long investigation by 2020 reveals that Jeffs, from behind prison bars, still controls every aspect of his followers' lives. Obey the prophet when he speaks, and you'll be blessed. Disobey him, it is death. In this community where a man needs three wives to gain salvation, Warren Jeffs married over 80 women. Every week, he issues bizarre orders that seem random to outsiders. Now it is down that you cannot eat corn. No sex between husband and wife. And you couldn't have any toys. You couldn't ride bikes either. This community has often taken young boys out of school to work in construction. Willie Steed told us he helped build this multi-million dollar house for Jeffs, even though his sentence was life. They said if we build it, then it would melt the bars or whatever in his jail and he would be released. Is Warren Jeffs in charge? We asked people all over town about Warren Jeffs, but no one would answer our questions. Excuse me, excuse me, hello? But the most destructive form of control is Jeff's banishment of hundreds of people from the town. This midwife has birthed hundreds of babies. She's worked here for almost 40 years. On a busy day, I can see as many as 20 to 25 patients. But just a few months ago, she too was banished. Willie Steed's family was torn apart too. And, and what happens to your loved ones is hell. A kind of underground railroad for those escaping from polygamy is now helping Willie's um, he basically dissolved school, this little bit of education they had. He started dissolving marriages and basically taking wives away from husbands and redistributing them to other men willy-nilly, the same with children. He started throwing out young men in mass, so there was a lot of lost boys that came from uh, Jeff's particular set. What are you going to do tonight? 
Yeah, you'll find a place to stay. Any ideas? Yeah, if I can stay with my older brother that left before he's got a house, I'm just stay in his living room or something. I'm getting tired of it. Why? I don't know. I just want my own bed. And uh, basically, uh, he also did something as, uh, I know this sounds awful because we hear about abuses to humans all the time and that is terrible, but also abuse to animals is terrible. He basically took all the dogs and cats that these children had as pets and killed them all. No more pets. And these couldn't even be grandfathered in. He just killed all the pets as well as burned any toys that they had. He wanted absolute control of this compound. And as a result, you can imagine the the reports and the rumors flying around. But what Jeff's is most well known for is child abuse. Uh, he has so many wives, they can't even be counted. Some as young as 12. And this guy was so sadistic and so sick that he actually recorded on cassette tapes his first nights with his new brides and you if you want to google these tapes please do i'm not going to play any of them here because they're sick and susan will kick me off the off the platform but if you want to check them out they're they're very simple google warren jeff's tapes and where he is literally the some of the things he tells these young girls to get them to comply such as They'll go to hell if they want. It's Jesus's will. Just a lot of different stuff that he does to these young girls that will make your skin crawl. And as a result, he's been wanted a very long time. In 2006, he was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Uh, he was chased all around Utah, Arizona, Texas, and eventually they did get him. All of this was started when one of Jeff's nephews, Brent, in 2004, filed a lawsuit alleging that Jeff's had uh, done things to him that he shouldn't as a child. There was lots of other boys that came forward saying the same thing. They believed this is one reason that there was so many boys cast out. He would use them and throw them away, basically, as well as many of the girls finally coming forward that did run away alleging the underage marriages and things of that nature as well then as the tapes were leaked to authorities as well. And finally, after hiding out in uh, Nevada in uh, 2006, on August 28th, he was pulled over at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Interstate 15 in Nevada by a local uh, highway patrol officer by the name of Eddie Dutchover because his license plates were not visible on his red 2007 Cadillac Escalade. Um, one of his wives, Naomi Jess, uh, Jessup, and his brother Isaac were with him. Uh, they arrested them. They took into custody the four computers, 16 cell phones, a myriad of different disguises he had, 12 pairs of sunglasses, and $55,000 in cash, which they assumed came from sex trafficking operations. And then they later on released his wife and brother. As a result of that, he was put on trial in September of 2007 for eight counts of sexual misconduct with a minor and incest. Because remember, a lot of inbreeding goes on. 
He was tried in Arizona uh, as an agreement between Utah and Arizona, who both wanted to get him, and was uh, basically found guilty and sentenced to life in prison, where he is now serving it at in Texas, who had also filed two, two additional counts on him. But as double double jeopardy, let's just say that he's not eligible for even his first round of parole until 2038. So Can you please stand as the verdict is read. That the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of the current charge in count one of the information raped as an accomplice. Count two, that the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of the crime charge in count two of the information raped as an accomplice. Dated this 25th day of September, 2007, by the foreperson, Daryl Finch. Finch. Most likely, he will die in prison, and I certainly hope that he does, because this man is a pariah. He, he should not be allowed anywhere uh, in public, in the public, because he's, he's, he's evil. He's just evil, and he's probably the most notorious of the... FLDS leaders and the FLD, FLDS is one of the most notorious of all the fringe polygamous based Mormon groups and I and that's the reason I didn't go so heavy into Jeff's background and some of the things he's done is because they are so gruesome that I cannot really speak of them on YouTube because of terms of service and things of that nature but let's just say this man only cared about himself he did not care about anyone else Man, woman, child, animal, evidently it was all about him. He used people for the, his own criminal intent and profited off of it, as well as having his wives and children be supported by, the fed, by you and me, by taxpayer dollars. And so that is uh, the story of Warren Jeffs. And is he a saint? No. If I believed in a Satan, I'd say he's probably as close to Satan himself as you could get. In fact, I think it's an insult satan to uh to call him that but um anyway that's my little expose on the original quiver and both and bowful uh movement the uh fundamentalist uh, lds church as well as one of its most notorious leaders and i hope you enjoyed it and until next time i'll be back soon with a uh, another true crime video and with that being said keep doing crap